What's cracking, everybody? Mighty smart guy, Matt Zapala here. Hey, let's hear from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Goals Podcast, episode two, seven, bro, 27. 27. Here in the studio with me is my co-host, Milton Alvarez. What's oh, up, man. big dog? Uh, Milton, would you do the honors, please, in introducing our special guest flying in from L.A.? Oh, yeah. So, a good friend of mine met about almost, uh, I would say, about eight, nine months ago, connected on social media through a mutual friend. Uh, since then, we've been doing events uh, back and forth from California, and she's been flying in, flying out. I've been flying out to, uh, to her, and I can see that we're going to be growing this relationship pretty strongly when it comes down to business. But I want to be able to introduce my good friend, uh, Priscilla Strada, coming in, in all the way from the city of San Fernando. Mm -hmm. Here we go. We got a sign she likes. Here we go. Yeah, put the mic. The very first time that I saw now you're shy. around. Mm -hmm. Come on, let's go, Priscilla. I love it. And it's a high. Now she's shy. This woman's dance with hundreds of people. Now she's shy. Uh, right, good song, my, good song. Where's my that's, that's the shy right here. Shy, I don't think we got a camera here. Camera shot. Shy, shy baby. Um, is, uh, this song here, I had <laughs> I had the cassette tape when I was in the military. Cassette it was a single. It was a single cassette tape. So there's only one song on it. I kept flipping it all the time. And, then, <laughs> and rewinding uh, it. The same, well, it, it's the same song on both sides. So it just, I was just, it was on constant repeat. All the Marines go, Sapala, would you please play another damn song? Love me some shy, man. That was an awesome song. Typifies the 90s. So anyway, coming from LA. Yes. From thank uh, you. San Fernando, I understand. San Fernando, city of San Fernando in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> so, so you're, you're, uh, uh, are you first, you're first generation born? First generation born. So yes. your, your folks came from, from Mexico. From Mexico. They came when they were young and actually were born in the same city, but met at San Fernando High School. <laughs> So, wow. yeah. Really? So, they were born in the same city in Mexico, mm -hmm. but met in San Fernando. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. It reminds me of my parents. Really? They, were, they, they never knew each other in, in the Philippines, only met in Chicago, and then they got married. Weird, weirdest thing. Yeah. So, very cool. Meant to be. That's a, that's and now right. you're here. It's a divine, that's now right. we're here. We're a result of a divine appointment. Very cool. So, so um, tell us about your business. What, uh, what type of business do you uh, health Healthy uh, with Pris. Yes. So, um so I own San Fernando Fitness with my father, who's my business partner and my best friend. Um, my mom's also part of the team as well. And uh, we also have an extended family who's also part of the team as well. And yeah. so we are in the city of San Fernando. We've been there for 11 years. Um, and we are a family community-based fitness center. Yeah. Uh, we like to say we're, we, we've changed a lot of the dynamic of the fitness industry in the city of San Fernando, where when we first started, it was typically your boxing clubs and yeah. there were these crazy people running around doing classes. And a lot of the people in the community were like, who are these people? Cool. Uh, so uh, very involved with the San Fernando Chamber of Commerce, a board member of the downtown San Fernando Mall Association. We've made a lot of changes, especially since the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, we launched the San Fernando Street Market, which is now happening every month in the city. And there's been, I would say, good amount of growth also in the economically in the city. Um, and really, it's about just collaboration with local businesses, um, the city council, the San Fernando police. Uh, we I like to say that San Fernando is like the black sheep of L.A., uh, we want more pe businesses to come in, yeah. more people to move into the city, and it's growing. So, that's good. Yeah. Well, if you're tuning in, uh, this is uh, Priscilla Estrada. <laughs> what a fitting name for a young lady from uh, LA. Uh, but uh, on the show today, we're going to talk about money. Does it create more or less stress? 
A liberal woman, some reason, can't find a masculine man. We're going to talk about that. Millennials and Gen Zs feeling wealthier than their parents and uh, knowing what you bring to the relationship with the table. We'll also have some videos here to react to. Uh, but Priscilla, let's continue with your story. Uh, talk to us real quick about the geographical location of San Fernando as it relates to L.A. Yeah, so we are in the L.A. County, um, <clears throat> right on the outskirts of L.A., so we're uh, northeast of the San Fernando Valley. Um, there's actually a lot of history in the city. We are the oldest city in the um, in the valley. That's why the valley is named San Fernando Valley. There's actually the San Fernando Mission, which is okay. named after that, if you're familiar with like the California missions, okay. um, like Santa Barbara Mission. Yeah. So we actually have one down the street from, That's you know, great. yeah. Wow. There's a lot of history. Um, and then, you know, throughout the years, you we went through the recession. The Rodney King riots happened in the next city over. Simi Valley. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, it was Silmar. Oh, Silmar, really? It was Silmar, which wow. is the next city over. Was it? Okay. Yeah. And then um, there's just a lot of history that eventually um, a lot of the uh, Anglo families started moving out of the area. And then you had the immigration coming in and. Now it is what it is. There's just a lot of culture. Um, so the San Fernando Street Market, they use a slogan uh, where history meets culture. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So how, most people, they start a business because they have a, a personal story. What's what's your reasons for starting uh, Healthy with Pris? Yeah. And then the so I grew up around family businesses. My first job was at the San Fernando, Street, uh, San Fernando Swap Meet with my other grandmother, who, who I would say yeah. she was my first boss. <laughs> and uh, I always knew that I wanted to be in business. I mm -hmm. thought women owned businesses because yeah. both of my grandmothers owned businesses. Yeah, yes. And then out of high school, we had a family restaurant. Um, and then we sold that and then invested into the gym. My uncle's actually the one who, um, uh, who it was his idea and he purchased the gym. I was involved since the inception, yeah. and five years ago, my father and I partnered up, and we wow. now, yeah, and we've grown it into where it's at today. It's one thing to start a business from scratch; it's another thing to like take over and and make Scale it into it. your own. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, did you go to college? Did you did you have? Any... I did some college, okay. uh, but fitness was my thing right out of high school. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so if you're watching the show again, uh, another uh, series of examples <laughs> here of the guests we're bringing to the show. They're not just talking to talk, but they're all walking to walk. You know, both, uh, all three of us here, multicultural, uh, making our own bread, uh, clocking in, clocking out uh, on our own schedules and calendars. And that's something that we aspire for many other people to do too as well. So uh, what, what, would you, what would you say um, is some of the best things that you've experienced so far being your own boss, being an entrepreneur? Um, well, first is working with family. Okay. Uh, it is not easy. <laughs> But it's definitely worth it. Do you guys find yourself like at home or um, a breakfast, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays just talking about the business? Oh, uh, yeah. Like all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing for sure about my father and I, we've done a pretty good job on um, knowing what hats we wear. And sometimes we have to remind okay. ourselves like what yeah. hats we're wearing. And he's done a very good job of saying like, you're not my daughter right now. Um, and vice versa as well. So, um, but we like ooh, to say that okay. <laughs> we like to say the gym is actually our first home because we spent a lot of time there. Do you have, uh, do you have uh, uh, individual responsibilities? Okay, this is my lane. 
This is your land, Dad, but this is also where we overlap. Yes, for sure. I'm the CEO. He's a CFO. And, okay. um, you know, yeah, and we have a general manager. We we have a great team established now. Yeah, yeah. we're very, very happy. We survived the pandemic, got through it. Amen. And we're still standing and we're still going to keep going. Let me ask you a question about L.A. How is L.A. doing? Um, Outside of San Fernando? <laughs> 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 I mean, um, you know, I... I I'm very fortunate that I don't have to drive You're anywhere fine. more than like five minutes. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm. I we're more in the in the like in the yeah. suburbs, and um, so I will say that anywhere outside of that area, once you get closer to the city, you know, there's certain areas of the streets that you know, I <laughs> that needs an extra T- TLC yeah, definitely. Like TLC. Mm-hmm. Not only cosmetically, but spiritually. Oh, on so many uh, levels. Yeah. yeah, it's like Chicago. You know, it's a, oh you yeah. Know, it's a, you know, it's, it's same reason we we moved here to Dallas because you know one of the major reasons safety. You know, two of my insurance agents got shot in the head for their cars. They got car. Oh jacked. wow. We're in the middle of a workout one time. He's a bro. You know, you know, um, he just died. One of my <gasps> agents died, and he shows me the news article because it was hit the news. I'm like, we were both shocked. We we're both shocked. We're like. Damn, you know, but the, the the irony is that thankfully he came across our community, the the you know our financial services, you know, insurance uh, wheelhouse of money, the Money Smart Mood organization, and he had a policy, and he had a he had a daughter he left mm. behind, and uh, mm. it was it was uh, sad that the, you know the daughter at the funeral was like, when is my daddy gonna wake up? You know that that type of conversation, but uh, when when you're working together with family, um, uh, would you do it any other way though? You got conflicts here. Would, would you rather have a person that's not related to you go in business for you? Because for me, I've I've loved having family work together with me. You know what? My no, wife. yeah, yeah I, I think we've we've been through so much um, growing up, having young parents as well. Uh, we got through the 08 crash. We got through a lot together, yeah. and very fortunate that my grandmother, who's the first one to come to the states, my father's mother, um, she stopped a lot of generational curses and trauma and mm. she was the one in our family who would go out and seek help and yeah. she's the first one who started a manufacturing company of over 100 employees and had a heart for people and uh yeah and and so my <laughs> my dad is actually the oldest and his youngest sister is my age yeah so when her, Vanessa and I were born the yeah. dynamic in the family changed a lot and we we didn't get to see what a lot of my parents saw when they grew up gotcha are you familiar with the term latin x yes have you heard of it yes I, you know i was telling me because i'm filipino so mm-hmm. somebody told me it's called filipino x philippine x i mean can you help me understand what the bridge is between latin x and because i think it's the same disposition it's just combining both latino latina um Not, okay. i mean it depends who you ask, right? Because gotcha. <laughs> in Spanish, you use either the A or the O. Right. right? Masculine or feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing in Filipino. Since we have the same conquistador. That's you know, true. Great, great grandfathers and ancestors. Okay. So uh, when, when you're in LA and, um, you know, when you're, you're, you're building a business in LA, how many people around you have this bug to become an entrepreneur? Or is it, you know, go to school, got to go to college? you know, get a, a degree, work. What, what was that like for you amongst your, it doesn't seem like you had so much pushback from your family because they're all entrepreneurs, but did you have pushbacks uh, from your friends? 
Um, I'd say I outgrew a good amount of people. Majority of the people from my high school went straight to college. Okay. Um, I, uh, even though I'm in still in the same city where I'm at, I have a lot completely different friends now. Yeah. Um, and but now what I'm seeing is since the pandemic, there's a lot of people now starting hobby businesses. So that's where the street market has been a great um, okay. addition to the city where um, majority of the vendors at our street market are businesses that came out of the pandemic. Sure. And there's not any weird licenses or permits that they need to sell uh, the products? They, they do certain. And uh, we only look for homemade or handmade um, businesses. So it's not reseller businesses. So they're all unique businesses. Um, Original products that they've created. Yes, so exactly. Like, like reselling cell phones. And a lot and of them are like hobbies that they start, that they've already been doing prior to. So there is b people that are picking up a, yeah. like a second income by having a business themselves. Yeah. Those are yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah. To do that. Now, yeah. now, you know, it's the, the conversations with the chamber we're mm -hmm. having is like, how can we educate so they can stay in business? Okay. Can I ask you a question? Personal? Sure. Married? Single? Single. Okay. Just checking. Mil Milton, you want to jump into this next topic here about uh, this video about a woman looking for a uh, a masculine <laughs> man? Well, I mean, what, what type of, okay, what's an ideal prototype for you? If you're a single woman, what's an ideal prototype man in your life? Traditionally speaking, not traditionally speaking, what, what would you love to attract? And you're like, that's my, that's my husband. <laughs> Um, despite my grandmother being um, the one to make the big changes in our family, we I still grew up around a lot of tradition. Um, mm -hmm. I actually went to a Catholic high school uh, and, and elementary school. So for me, growing up, a lot of the traditions was around what I saw. Yeah. Even though my grandmother worked, she still came home, took care of the kids. She still takes care of kids to this day. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I still believe that me personally to an extent that traditionally I feel that we as men and women do have roles yes I do believe that nowadays more women have uh, bigger opportunities hey, look at you <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and uh the relationship with my father for sure has <laughs> prepared me for a lot <laughs> <laughs> now, now your husband would say okay you're not you're not my partner right now uh, you're my wife or yeah. you know you're yeah. not my wife right now I'm your would he be a, if he was going to go in business with you, I said, babe, would it be appropriate for him to be the co-CEO with you or would it be like a COO, a president? Yeah. Yeah. I think we but all But you're the one who built it though. You're the one who built it from scratch. How would how would he earn his stripes to have that title? Well, that's going to have to be a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> hundred push-ups. Yeah, right. Yeah, 200, 200 pull-ups, something like that. Cool. Well, this woman here, let's, let's jump to, to a topic here. Uh, this woman here, sp speaking of relationships, uh, this uh, young lady here, she says she's a liberal and um, she's like, hey, do you know where all the masculine men are? Because this woman needs dating help. So can we take a look at this video? Jordan, let's play this. Do you want to know one of the saddest realizations I recently had was that as a liberal woman, it is really hard to find a man who is willing to play the more traditional masculine role in the relationship in today's day and age. Who is not a conservative? A man who wants to pay on the first date, who wants to open your door, who has that want and desire to take care of you and to provide, who is not a conservative. And obviously as a liberal woman, I do want to be respected for my independence. 
and I do want to have my own autonomy in the relationship and not be confined or conform to the traditional female homemaker childbearing role. And most of the men that I've dated who do have that more natural provider masculinity about them are normally conservative. So I don't really know what to do because I don't want to compromise my morals and values just to find a man. But am I asking to have my cake and eat it too? Uh, okay, so let's 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 quickly define liberal. <laughs> okay, a supporter of policies that are socially progressive and promote social welfare. Okay, that is the definition here, Oxford Dictionary of Liberal. <clears throat> okay, so what do you think her dilemma is? Crystal, what do you what do you think her what do you think her dilemma is? She's liberal, but yet she wants a conservative or traditional man. I think as women, we desire to feel and it's in our DNA. It's to feel protected, to feel looked after, um, provided for, provided for. And, uh, myself being in a masculine environment myself where I've had to work my way where I'm at now, I've been in rooms where I've been the only woman, the only minority, but I sure. think I believe still to an extent as as women, when we do tap into our feminine side, we, to an extent, we do have power, yeah. um, but I believe that nowadays is like <laughs> uh, modern day feminism. <laughs> I, I would, what a word, huh? <laughs> modern day feminism. I don't believe that um, the feminism in the 80s thought that it would get to where it's at today. Um, and that's just from my personal perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I still believe that there's ways that we can tap into our feminine, most feminine self mm-hmm. um, and still have a level of, of masculine energy. Um, for me, that's I actually am a salsa dancer. So go. when I started dancing, that actually taught me how to let a man lead. lead. And it's taught me a lot about my relationship also with my father. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, um, it's it was hard in the beginning because it That's naturally is so with, with dancing salsa. I'm, I'm a salsero too. Yeah, naturally, really oh, is. We, yeah. it really is. Yeah, we grew Na- up in Chicago. We had to be salsero. Yeah, yeah, and naturally, as women, like we want to in the salsa world, you say back lead. Yeah. Um, but when you allow a man to f- lead you in in this dance, you both together create such a beautiful dance and oftentimes i've been told like oh wow you look so good and it's like no it's i have a great partner it's a great partner yeah Yeah, it's a language that you build together um and knowing that you both have your parts and there's moments (laughs) there's moments where you know i feel that women can shine and but at the same time you're shining together one time i went to a uh, salsa club and i chicago chicago and uh, this is this is pre-Christ and pre, pre-my wife, <laughs> so you might full disclaimer. But uh, I took her, and, and uh, obviously she was a looker. You know, guys, guys looking at her, and I'm used to going to a regular club. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. you always, know, I'm gonna give him a drink. You know, it's, you know, it was my space. Next, you know, these guys are coming up to her. Hey, would you like to dance? Would you like to dance? I'm like, of course she's gonna say no. And she said, okay, I'll dance. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Because <laughs> I didn't know how to dance. Mm. I don't know how to dance salsa, and I'm like. And then she sat down. I'm looking at her like, what is wrong with you? And before I got over, you know, uh, for, for a, a split second, another guy asked her to dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole night, she's dancing with everybody else. For I'm like, sure. what the hell? Bro. What did but, I teach you? But the salsa, I, I needed to learn salsa. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the salsa community is, it's not a, like a pickup community. No. It's, it's, uh, let's dance. No. It's not like I'm going to, you know, Try grind and do it, right? Yeah. It's, hey, bro, let's, let's dance. Let's jam. Let's have fun. 
And it's so much easier being a woman in a salsa club for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. men, we feel so damn inadequate. You yeah. know, like she was like tearing it up with that dude, man. But I'm like freaking basic, dude. So, what's your thoughts here on this on this video? Well, for one, I want to say that she's probably from California. For sure. <laughs> so, welcome, uh, Miss California. Um, Thank you. Thank number you. two, I, I I do see that uh, why a liberal man wouldn't even. Uh, step up to the plate of what many quote unquote conservatives would do because a lot of liberal men believe in, in equality 50 yeah. 50 man can do as much as woman can woman can do as much as man can and again i, I don't i don't i don't want to speak about roles right because i don't i don't want to be the next person who's getting canceled on a podcast but there's there's certain <laughs> things that naturally you, there are certain things that are naturally born out of you as a man and uh -huh. there are certain things that sure. are naturally born out of you as a woman for like sure. for me i'm not a nurturing person mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not a nurturing person, but I would definitely lay my life down for someone that I care about and love. And then yeah. you have a woman who, there's war, there's uh, there's gunshots. A lot of women are going to be running out of the opposite direction when a lot of men You're are going to be running towards running it. Towards it. Yeah. So that's a natural instinct that we have instilled yeah. within us from the moment we're born and even before that. That's automatically in our DNA, as you, as you claimed. Um, but going back to the whole salsa thing, that you're right. Like it's it's one of those things where in in, in the very beginning when I started dating and I was like, actually able to get into clubs, it was really hard for me to dance. <laughs> I didn't know how to dance. Yeah. So I would I'd have a date with me and she'd go out and dance with every single guy yeah. there. And then 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 let's oh, yeah. let, let's say like Make six months down the line, six months down the line, you learn how to dance on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> but here you are comparing yourself to every other guy because you don't know how to spin. You don't yeah. know when the proper mm -hmm. steps are, the two yeah. step, whatever the case may be. So on one around two. Gentlemen yeah. who learn how to dance, you will yeah. captivate a woman's heart if you know how to dance. <laughs> you need to learn how to dance. An easy one, an easy one is merengue. Just, just, oh, uh, yeah. for uh, sure. Uh, that's do, the easiest do, one, do. right? <laughs> Start with there, and then you know the same basic moves. Some of the same basic moves you learn in merengue, you, then you can expand it to salsa. Another easy one. What would be the rank it in difficulty? Uh, merengue, bachata, salsa. Rank oh, it. salsa is the hardest for hardest. sure. Yeah, for sure. Unless you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're drunk. And then you got. Uh, then you got it. Then you got everything. <laughs> And you got it. You're solid. <laughs> solid. Um, I would like to say, like, ladies, there's, for just from my perspective, three ways that has helped me to tap into my most feminine self is taking an either an all-women's dance class or a partnering dance, um, incorporating some type of self-care into your routine. Um, for me, it's my skincare routine, my morning and night routine. Definitely she's look she's forward to that. If you don't see on the camera, she's glowing in the studio. <laughs> yeah. I Thank you. Nice, nice, nice job. And recently for me, it's actually been doing cold plunges. I love using cold plunges. Learning yeah. how to surrender and tap into just like your feminine energy while you're in a chaotic environment. You feel feminine in a cold plunge? Uh, after, yes, Actually, I do. no, I've, I kind of feel feminine cold because so, so everything, everything kind of retracts. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent, you have to, you have to surrender. And, mm. and it, and it's, it's taught me when I'm in in um, stressful environments, especially with like yeah. stressful conversations with my business partner. Um, it's Poppy. learning when to like take a step back and be yeah. like, okay, maybe we should finish this conversation tomorrow. Got it. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Good, great input. Um, yes, now we'll go to another topic here. Speaking on this topic of, uh, <laughs> why don't we just go ahead and right into it so we just knock it out the way. Um, you have a special uh, topic here in the health and fitness category. Bring it forth, baby. War of the Willies. Bring it forth. What are we talking about, War of the Willies? Well, data reveals the average penis size around the world. What pertains to in the show, Millionaire Goals Podcast, I don't know. It's my researchers that said, I think our audience would love to hear this. And you wouldn't like where the U.S. and U.K. rank. Okay. So apparently, on the largest average penis size, number one happens to be Ecuador. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Number I two is dying. Cameroon. Okay, so so now check this out though. When erect, nearly seven inches is the average size of Ecuadorian men. I guess I, I, I feel weird even just saying, just reading this news. Uh, whereas Cameroon, um, whereas Cameroon is uh, number number two to Ecuador, but researchers found a correlation between higher obesity rates in countries and smaller penis sizes, suggesting that the distribution of fat tissue may play a role in this difference. So I've seen a lot of memes out there where guys read this data and they say, no, another meme is them running on the treadmill. Right I, thought, I thought you were going to say, I've seen a lot of dick out there. It's not in my algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. From, from, from a man's perspective, we're, we're going to be You're so biased. proud of that Ecuadorian flag. We're going to be really biased. Where's Philippines on this chart, man? Where's the Philippines, man? We're not even close aren't, to Aren't the... Asian this, or oriental descents usually the ones who have like, uh, <laughs> the little chubs, the little micro penises, the one two pump chumps usually? Usually, right? I'm personally offended. I just want to let you know. <laughs> All right. So from, from, from a mass perspective, it's going to be a very biased opinion, the okay. way we think, the way we perceive ourselves. Because automatically, we want to feel okay. like we're on top, right? And we, we, we identify based off of duration, length, size, and the way our, just our body's shaped. But from a woman's perspective, I'm aware that last night, or if not this morning, you created a thread with all your friends Uh-oh. from the city of San Fernando. Uh-oh. And they were sending you a bunch of gifts and memes. <laughs> a bunch of gifts? Yeah, a bunch of gifts and memes on okay, the opinions on that. What, is, what did they say? We want to know what they said. Well, the majority were saying that... <laughs> I believe in that article is also saying that um, women do prefer an over-average size for probably one-time encounter. A one-time encounter? <laughs> The, that's that's what the article said. That explains and a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Why she never called us back? <laughs> um, but majority of my friends were saying that uh, the ones with the over average size can sometimes have um, a big ego <laughs> and and feel like they don't have to really work Try. much <laughs> and. <laughs> And then some of them said, I'm reading the messages now, <laughs> that uh, that the smaller sized ones um, have to get creative. Gotcha. And then gotcha. a couple of said... Motion of the ocean. <laughs> this the That's what one of them said for sure. Um, and then another one said that, that BD energy is not necessarily the size. It's the way he worships you, your body, what you like, takes pleasure in pleasing you. And that's what gives him big D energy. Wow. Wow. So on this list, the United States of America ranks number 59. All right, the average penis size in America is 5.35 inches. Weird, I just even mentioned his data. Anyway, Philippines is not even in the top 100. Sorry, man. But uh, I'm sorry. Then again, sorry, people, never, people never think I'm Filipino. Sorry, Mr. Estrada. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mr. Estrada, for putting your daughter through this. I know you're watching, so our apologies. But listen, man, I uh, and, and speaking of which, there's a lot more that goes to the relationship than this okay of course so you know if 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 we're looking if we're looking at um by the way this 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 article says previously fitness instructor fitness instructors has said men can add inches to the penis by simply losing weight of course of course it's not adding to 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 the size of it it's just you're reducing the body fats you're exposing a lot more Mm -hmm. so you could be an overweight fat man with like 60 pounds overweight with a four-incher and then all of a sudden you lose all that weight. All of a sudden now you're at a seven because all that fat is being retracted and pulled out of that little pocket that we all, that we all have if if you're out of shape. Gotcha. So lose some weight. Gotcha. That's why you see a lot of these skinny guys, and I'm very <laughs> being very transparent. But that's why you see a lot of these skinny guys have 
the perfect size for a lot of these women. And these bigger guys are the ones who are the ones suffering from not being able mm. to, you know, get the kind of clout of yep. being that size. But the, when you start getting in shape, you'll notice that you'll, it'll look bigger, it'll be bigger because you have more exposure to it. You'll last longer and it'll be a stronger direction because you, you have a lot more blood flowing through your body. I, I'll, say, I'll say this, you know, we're all, we're all you know, Catholic school, you know, high school, you know, faith, you know, pastor, yeah. you know, faith, faith, faith made me in the type book. The conversation about sex before marriage. Yeah. It's an interesting one because I look back on my life like, well, shit, I should have known that. I didn't, I didn't know that. You know, yeah. I didn't know that in high school. I, I thought that you know you were boom, 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 beating your chest because you lost your virginia as a man. You know, in, in your teens and in, in high school. But now that I got to know Christ, now that I got to know you know a lot of these things. We're laughing about it now, but the, in all seriousness, though, when I decided to give my life to Christ, I mm -hmm. said, you know what, I'm not going to have sex. And for 12 years, brother, I think I only had three girlfriends. Yeah, I slipped up here and there, but for the most part, for 12 years, I wasn't. You know, it was a consistent thing like it was yeah. you know, previous to this. What's your views on that? What's your views? If you, if we're traditional, we're talking about this, you know, you know, liberal and, and conservative traditional. When is it right? When, when would you like to know? Like, Priscilla, when would you want to know? Like, if I want to lock down with this guy. But the curiosity is like, from a sexual standpoint, are we going to get down or not? And are you going to be let down post-marriage and regret it? How does it? How does it work in a woman's mind? I think most women, even traditional women, do have that thought behind their back of like, what if it doesn't work out after marriage? Um, it's above if they average, wait. average yeah. or below average. <laughs> <laughs> that too as well. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think what's important is the conversation with your partner and see where both of you align yeah. um, and where you are at. And yeah. um, if you are wanting to either just do it just to do it or just are you are yeah. you dating to marry yeah. you know and um I so i think that conversation early on is very important i would love to know from you guys just watching this live or watching the replay do you think it's based on your faith and your relationship with god it's between you and him to have <laughs> sex before marriage obviously the, the more traditional christians say no no sex before marriage but the reality is majority of people that hear this news have already lost their virginity. Yeah. You're right. Uh, 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 we won't do a poll of what age you were when you lost your virginity. Let's just say we lost our virginity. Um, and, and now knowing about this, these, these values and principles of uh, uh, your, your, your faith and your relationship with God, when you should, when you should have it. I, I can tell you this, you know, my wife, last 10 years, was the biggest fear of a man. If I get married to her, I'm giving up every opportunity to sleep in any other mm -hmm. one for the rest of my life. Yeah. I thought that too. But you know what? My wife's been the last woman I've ever slept with the last since May 11th, 2012. 11 years. It's beautiful. And it's like amazing. We have the, you know, like, you, you know how to do that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're still finding stuff out. Yeah. So what are your, what's your thoughts? Well, I think I, I think it's beautiful. And uh, here's the thing: a lot of people, a lot of men, want to say that they have this game during sex, and that they're top notch, and then they know what they're doing. Obviously, the more experience you have, the the more yeah. you'll be able to do, and the more you, you know, the more you know in bed. Yeah. But I think the people who have the best sexual encounters are married folks. When you've been married for five, ten, fifteen, plus, twenty plus years, yeah. you get to know each other a lot more. Mm -hmm. You get to study each other. You get you guys you guys get to you know have the intimacy because yeah. at the end of the day, you've had those moments where yep. you lay with someone. Yeah. You're done. She's done. Or yep. half the time, she's not done, but you're done. Now you're like, I'm inadequate. 
you're, and then it's just an empty feeling at the at the end of that at the end of the, at the mm. end of that uh, experience. And something I tell a lot of young men, which I've been very hypocritical about in my early twenties, yep. um, you know, just wait, wait until you know that you can find someone that's actually worth your time and worth your energy. Because I do believe sex is something spiritual. The end. The older I get, the yep. more convicted I become with it. And unfortunately, you know, I'm not perfect. Yeah. I'm definitely not perfect. But it's 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 the conviction that you feel when you're laying with someone, whether you know them or you don't know them, but you know it's not going to go anywhere, it's yeah. very heavy on you. And the thing is, as men, we tend to try to push it away as much as we possibly can to ignore the fact that it's not right. It's not right. The fact that you're feeling that conviction inside of you and you're not feeling satisfied at the end, and at the end you're feeling some form of emptiness, that's your spirit trying to tell you, like, hey, man, you should probably slow the hell down and probably not even do it. Yeah. Because now taking all the spirituality, the spirituality aspect away from it, you don't know what you, what you can catch on the streets. There's so many people out there who are running around with some form of disease that don't even know that they have yeah. a disease. And here you are. Burns when you urinate. Yeah. Where did it come yeah. from? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, but I want to I want I want to go back to one of our previous podcasts and ask, because we were having a conversation on does body count body count yeah. matter to us as uh -huh. men. Yeah. So now I want to revert that to Priscilla. Does that does that actually does that actually mean something to women? Do women really care about body count? Or do are a, are women able to see past that, you know, ex, you know, uh, past their, their history? I think women who are insecure focus on that. Um, I'm now in an environment of women who actually, most of them are older than me and have been through relationships and we have these conversations and we're at a point where um, that for me personally doesn't matter. I feel like if we're gonna be together, it's because we're together. And the past is the past. Mm -hmm. um, I still believe certain conversations should come up. Yeah. Um, but I feel that if a woman is so focused on the number and vice versa, it just shows a level of insecurity and trust. So but, I mean, That makes sense because you know, I told my wife, I said, babe, don't ask about my past. Just know me from May 11, 2012 forward. <laughs> Pre-Christ, po uh, post-Christ. Pre-Christ, post-Christ, pre-meeting you and not meeting you. Because the right woman, right, Milton, makes you want, as a man, makes you want to step up. Yep. If she's the right woman, mm -hmm. yep. makes you want to step up. She wants me to make me a better version of me. And then even after marriage, I still want to become a better me. And that's how you know you, you, you've you've locked in on the right relationship. So. And I like to add one more thing. Um, I'm I don't have kids yet, but as parents. Um, my parents had those conversations with me and wow, um, early on. And, What's and, early on? What age? I mean, in high school. I wow. mean, yeah. And um, so very grateful that, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> growing with young parents was not easy, but we grew together. So, and I see my mom, she's on there. Hi, mom. <laughs> she's like, too late. I'm here. We appreciate you, mom. Thank you for having those conversations with your daughter. Uh, but here's my conversation my parents had with me. They, uh, I was pretending like I was getting something out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. My dad would never have a conversation with me about this, by the way. But I was having getting some, I don't know, peanut butter and jelly out of the fridge, right? And he said, you know, I, uh, 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 something gets thrown in my feet. And my mom goes, pick up your condoms. I'm like, what? Pick up your condoms. Like, what? She would want to know if I knew what condoms were. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, I don't know anything about that, mom. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's my mom, my little mom, five foot one, three quarters. Yeah, you do. My mom's a nurse. <laughs> it wasn't a pack of condoms, it was a pack of matches. Yeah, yeah. So from there, she says, okay, just want to make sure if you're doing something, you, you, you wear a condom. Okay, you wear something, you wear something, wear the condom. <laughs> okay, mom, I don't want to hear this from my mom. So uh, let's move on to another topic here. Um, 
there's a video here about uh, uh, meeting a person that you're going to marry. And you're going to meet that person at this moment in your life. Let's check this out. You only meet the person you're going to marry when you already believe that it's time to get married. People tend to sense. meet a person, date a person. They're like, oh, I'll fall into marriage. I'll, I'll just, I'll sort of, I'll fall in love with them. And then I'll, and then I'll decide to get married. Wrong. You decide you're going to get married. Then you meet the person you can fall in love with because you're thinking in a different way. When you're, when you're dating for marriage, you have a set of values hmm. that are, that are in your head. What do you want your life to look like? How do you want your life to be structured? What do you want to teach your kids? What kind of community? Like these are really important questions because you're also trying to look beyond what that two year passionate love period is going to look like to what is the rest of your life gonna look like? And that sets up a whole different expectation of the person you're dating and, and for yourself, right? Why are you actually in the room with this person? Is it because they're good looking and because they're sexy or is it or is it because this is a person that you actually wanna spend serious amounts of time with and maybe commit to? Cool. Mm. What, do you, what do you guys thought about that? Milton, just a single man. I mean- Good credit score, high income, in shape. Am I? <laughs> well, I mean, I think my, my question would be is, how do you get to that point of knowing exactly what it is you want? I think that's, that's the problem with a lot of people. People lead with the idea of looks. She, she looks good. He looks good. Or the sex yeah. is great. Yeah. And that's where they stand. And now yeah. they, they become infatuated with, with, with each other's time and each other's energy because either A, there's something missing in their life, there's a void in their life, so they fill it up with that person. And then here goes that you know one-year mark, two-year mark, as Ben spoke on, and all of a sudden that starts fading away and they realize that they were just relating to someone that they met in a certain season in their life that was relatable, but now that they've outgrown that season, now they say, all right, well, what's next? I don't see that match anymore. So how, as you know, you being a married person and us, and us being a single people, like how would you say you would set up, how would you set yourself up in a position where you're like, all right, I, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly the outcome that I want. So how, how do you distinguish between a lusting approach to a woman versus an intentional approach to a woman, but still having the notion of, you know, these, these, this is what I want out of a woman physically, like the attraction, the mindset, and the emotional state. Because I think personally, a woman, a, a partner, your partner's supposed to be able to cr drive you crazy in three different ways. And this is just a superficial aspect of it. They need to be able to drive you crazy spiritually, drive you crazy uh, uh, emotionally, and also be able to, be able to drive you crazy uh, physically. Because there needs to be an attraction. You don't go up to a random person on the street and say, hey, Something tells me your personality is freaking amazing. Like that, that's not going to happen. You need to be able to be attracted to the person and be able to have your likes and your dislikes. And then that's when the conversation leads on. Because automatically as a man, maybe you can attest to this. Yeah. As a man, from the first encounter that he has with a woman, he already knows if he wants to have the woman around for an, for an next period of time. Sure. And then within the first six months of them actually intentionally dating, a man already knows, like, I want to be with this woman for the rest of my life. Yeah. But then comes in the fear factor. Then comes in the doubt because of the friend circle, the network that he's in, the circle mm -hmm. that he's in, and his past experiences. Yep. So self-sabotage kicks in. For sure. Right? So from a man's perspective, how would a man set himself up to know, all right, I'm past my traumas. I've overcome all the fears that I have. And now I'm ready to step into this, you know, in, into the season of I'm open and I want to be able to allow anyone to come into my life so I can take the next step. Uh, for, for me, I felt ready for marriage when I was able to provide can take care of myself. I can take care of my kids. Now I'm ready for the next step because I know getting married to a woman, she's gonna have to take on my kids too, yep. right? So that's my dynamic. By the way, great book recommendation here. Um, if you could show my screen, uh, uh, one, which is 1,001 questions to ask before you get married. Yeah. Okay, 1,001 questions to ask before you get married. Great book to take on your first. Uh, uh, maybe your first, you know, four or five. Uh, in, in by, by the third, fourth date. 
if you're dating to to marry, as you said, this is something you should start having a dialogue. She, she and I, when we first started talking the first week, we just we just I talked to her about the vision I had for my family, the vision I had for our future, the vision I had with my business, the vision I had for the wife of my life. So you ask me my question, how do I know? Well, first of all, I had to be right. I had to get right with God. I had to get right with myself. I get I get past past trauma, and then I came across this great book of Proverbs. Speaking of book recommendation in the Bible, which is Proverbs chapter uh, thirty one, chapter thirty one, verse starting with verses ten through thirty one, which is the virtuous wife. You guys don't know anything about King Solomon. King Solomon is known as the wisest and richest king who ever lived. Okay. He he was the son of uh, uh, King David, and so that 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 right there gave me an outline of what a woman should be in, in my life, right? And so if you read this, I'm not going to read it now, but uh, just a couple, couple uh, uh, verses here is uh, uh, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits amongst the elders of the land. So a man has got to do his thing too. And then he's going to eventually attract the woman and this conversation starts happening. What is virtuous? Virtuous is de defined as having and showing high moral standards. So if you want to have a happy life, you just can't have an average disposition about it. You just got to be intentional. You got to find somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to partner somebody because you're going to have babies together. You got babies together and now it's going to be a combination of, you know, every night, you know, Jordan's in the bed with us, kids are in the bed with us. And I'm looking at her and the, our kids in the middle, I'm looking at her. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for my son. Mm. And it's like, you're, you're, I'm holding my son. I'm like, thank you for my son. Thank you for our family, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like this appreciation yeah, yeah. and gratitude. Yeah, yeah. She, she helped create this boy, right? <laughs> I'm getting all teared up just thinking oh, about so it, right? Beautiful. <laughs> just, because that's the right one. That's the right woman. Because my whole entire life, I pick wrong, and we, we find the right one based on these moral values and principles. And a lot of things just start happening in life. I promise you, it's not gonna be perfect. But you'll be perfected along the way. Anyway, let's move on to another topic before I get more emotional. On this thing. I just want to add one thing. My dad just texted me. He said, yeah. people at times try to find happiness through someone else. Ah, uh, correct. It's got to <laughs> come through you. It's mm -hmm. got to come through you. I, I tell my kids this. What is whole? It means you're 100%, mm -hmm. right? If you're half, you're 50, guess who you're going to attract? 50. Another 50. We'll do the math. Because marriages are supposed to multiply, right? Mm -hmm. So multiply 0 0.5, 0 0.50 times 0 0.50 equals 0 0.25. 0 0.25. Yeah. So you're actually divide, divisive together because you're not whole. Now you take one times one. One, you're yeah, whole. whole. You're whole, right? Not, now we're single, we're whole. <laughs> Babe, now we can, we can come after That's the exactly world. That's exactly what my father was saying. He said that um, someone will never complete you. No. And sometimes this is what we get from Hollywood. You complete me. <laughs> what was that? Uh, uh, Reese uh, Witherspoon. She's, uh, was that her that said it in, in a movie? Tom Cruise. Almost every movie, man. Yeah, you complete me. Bless you Bless twice, you, brother. Jordan. Right. A couple more times like that, Jordan. You're gonna have to beatbox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, sometimes it takes for me a moment of gratitude to smoke my cigars. So George Burns. Another article here. Another video here. George Burns smokes ten to eleven cigars a day. I'm a cigar smoker. All right, I'm a cigar smoker. So uh, let's take a look at this video here about George Burns saying, I smoke 10 to 11 cigars a day, but my doctor's dead. Take, take a look at this. What number of cigars <laughs> is this day? Come on, baby. This is my uh, 10 for 11 cigars. Wow. I smoke between 15 and 20 cigars a day. 
That's the OG doc, uh, uh, George Burns on the Johnny Carson show. Speaking of cigars, uh, Adam Sosnick was interviewing, Patrick Bidet was interviewing Tristan Tate. And uh, here's what they said about uh, having some cigars, the company that they keep around those cigars. By the way, Adam Sosnick, single two. Also shadow, down man. the road. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a look at this. I smoke cigars with two people. Their last name is either Tate or Sapala. So okay. shout out to Matt Sapala, the finest of gentlemen. The Tates and the Sapala. That's it. That's a quick shout out. I very rarely smoke cigars, but if I yeah. do, it's with a Tate. Well, and actually, Sapala. Matt Sapala did a Manect call with, uh, with Andrew. Andrew. We, we have a duty to God and duty to the universe to be our best version of ourselves, and that's going to involve money. And had a, a good conversation together. By the way, uh, they just got uh, arrested finally yeah. again, yeah. and finally charges put on them. So uh, I'm still unpacking that uh, scenario. But anywho. Uh, <laughs> we were working out yesterday. I was like, let me catch my breath. Let me catch my breath. First question. You smoked last night? <laughs> of course. They brought smoke mm. every night. All right, man. Yeah. It's my it's my ceremonial burning of leaves, man. But you're the reason why I got into cigars. You know that, right? Really? No kidding. You're the only reason I got into cigars, man. And very heavy on them. I got a nice connection in Chicago now. You know, the thing yeah. is, uh, cigars, I mean, um, you know, Pris, I mean, what? How, how do you feel about a man who smokes cigars? I mean, it's. Uh, I think there's a scent on him. There's a smoke about him. I don't know. What's what's, what's your thought? What's your, what's your perspective? We give our wives a reason to wash your hair the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I don't know. I doesn't really bother me much. I as long as it doesn't interfere with business, work, family. Yeah, yeah. it's not like cigarettes. You know, you you can tell what's what's, what's addictive. Yeah. Go out to Chicago, negative 20 degrees outside. Guess what you find outside around? Smoking a cigarette. Yeah, smoking a cigarette. In the alley or outside of the job. You're not going to find a guy out there smoking a cigar. No, definitely you not. You know? So um, let's look at, let's look at uh, uh, what Samuel L. Jackson, one of my favorite actors, Samuel L. Jackson, says about money and whether it creates, creates more stress or less stress. Let's hear what Samuel Jackson here has to say about money. How do you stay stress-free, though? I'm making enough money that I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but folks say money won't solve all the problems, yeah. but it solves enough of them that I don't have to think about them. But you didn't come from money, though. Like, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> What do you think? It solves a lot of problems or creates more problems? Because what's, what's that song? More money, more problems? I think it depends. That's, what's important is that you continue to grow as a person. Um, I saw family members who had everything and lost it all because um, they weren't in the right place spiritually and um, and also seeing success at a young age. Um, a relative lost everything by the time he was 30. So um, that's what I got to see. And sure. I, I think it's so important to continuously to put God first in every areas of your life. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, that's my thoughts. You know, uh, money, we always say, is a magnifier. It's going to magnify your spirit. It's going to magnify the holes in, in, in your soul, you know? And the more you add money to it, the more it's magnified. For sure. You, you can see that. Um, because how much money do Americans think you need to be rich? The answer will shock you. So Americans now think you need at least $2.2 million to be rich. But Gen Z... And millennials feel the wealthiest despite cost of living squeeze. So let's take a look at this article here. So if you can take a look at this, uh, Jordan. Yeah, there you go. Appreciate it, man. So Gen Z and millennials feel wealthier than their parents and grandparents, a Charles Schwab survey finds. 
So a lot of them have um, uh, feelings about money around what that definition is of rich. Uh, around 57% of 46 millennials and Gen Z respect, respectively reported feeling rich compared to just 41% of Gen X and 40% of baby boomers. For nearly two-thirds of Americans, being able to enjoy healthy relationships with their loved ones better describes wealth than simply having a lot of money. By the way, I agree. Wealth is more than just money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Pris, how do you define wealth in your, in your life? What's wealth if you were to encompass it? For me, first is like family. That's always going to be first. Um, I'm, I, I didn't realize until I was an adult how grateful I am to have the relationships I have. Uh, and for me, that money cannot buy that yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also believe creating a legacy and creating something, um, making a change, the changes that we did in our community and in our environment. Um, I even, like I mentioned to you before the podcast, I got to see my um, elders. Uh, they did uh, a lot with their wealth and they're great role models in our family. And um, they always give back to their community and to their church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, that's what wealth is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's you said that because you can be broke financially, but give a lot of wisdom and example because more is taught, uh, excuse me, more is caught than taught. For sure. So if you're catching what and observing what your family's doing, that in a sense could be a form of wealth because if somebody can help accelerate me and the aspirations I have in my life, it saves me a lot of time and money. Milton, what's your thoughts on this? There's, there's, there's a lot of pushback, man. A, a lot of people uh, in, in this generation, they they, they see neg- uh, money as something evil to this day. And they see, especially in, in our minority, cult, in our culture, especially in the Latino sure, community, if you sure. have money, you make money, you have a business for yourself, oh, you know, you're, you're stingy, you're greedy, you're X, Y, Z. But in reality, you know, I want to be able to shift your views a little bit on money, especially for people who are watching and have this mindset of money's bad and you need to live a modest life. And in order to be right with Christ, you need to be broke and live way below your means. When in reality, let me try and shift your views a little bit. Money's able to create a lot of opportunity for people. You know, for years, I wanted three things out of my life, Matt. I wanted to be able to have freedom. I wanted to be able to help my loved ones and be able to give back. But there was one major problem that I had that couldn't help me in those fields. And that was that was me being broke as hell. I was broke. Broke, broke. You're a brokey. I'm talking about credit score at like the low 500s, maxed out credit cards, negative bank accounts, no savings accounts, nothing. Broke, broke. And lots of student loans. And, you know, money is what created room for these three things, which is number one, freedom. Being able to, you know, have the freedom of choice and the flexibility and decision making. You know, financial independence gave me the opportunity to be able to travel, explore new experiences. And also, it, it gave me to uh, gave me the room to be able to enjoy leisure activities that I I'm, I wasn't able to do back then with my family, with my mom, with my cousins, my nieces, because back then I was consistently working. The second thing, be able to give back and be able to help my 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 loved ones. I think I was, I was sharing you a couple a couple weeks ago that there's certain things going on in my family right now that there's a struggle. Mm-hmm. And now that now that I'm in a position I'm in, now I am going to be able to help them create something for themselves. So that way now they're able to be able to they're able to generate money so that way I can help my family out of the hole that they're in. Yeah. Back then I couldn't do that. I didn't have the capital to be able to start something with them or have the right connections to to, uh, to connect them to. And the third one is being able being able to give back. Philanthropy is one of the biggest things for me. I started a nonprofit back in 2011. It ran really well when we were just putting band-aids over situations. We were hoping homeless people, undocumented families, opioid users. Uh, uh, we were doing national catastrophes where we would gather a lot of things and drive to that state whenever they were having some form of uh, national catastrophe. Yeah. 
But the thing is, it was all donation based and it was all based off of just um, people just giving, 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 which is great. But we were just putting a bandaid over the issue. Mm -hmm. All right. You know, during the holidays, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's in Lower Wacker, you have all these churches and all these and all these places and all these uh, organizations giving food, giving clothing. That's great. But what about every other month? What about every other week? What about Christmas? Exactly. So it's a bandaid. So now that I'm in a position where that that's that's my bread and brother, that's my baby. Where I want to, I want to be able to create something where it it comes out of my own pocket, or I meet the right people, have the right network where I can convince people to give yeah. to a greater cause, so we can solve a issue that's going on on our streets that also impact people's businesses, that also impact people's pockets. Yep. So, and being able to have those three things for my personal self is what's helped me want to grow more in what I'm doing and being able to. Pr- perceive what money is in a complete different light to where it used to be 10, 15 years ago. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, the, uh, the, the respondents to the survey, great, great points, bro. The response to the survey feel that the average net worth of, of, of being wealth, remember, this is $2.2 million of net worth. That means property, business ownership, yeah. you know, not necessarily liquid. We, you know, <clears throat> so let me make sure you guys are clear. The Millionaire Goals podcast is because we want you to be a cash flow Millionaire, not paper millionaire, not uh, I have uh, uh, um, illiquid assets uh, that I can have. We want you to have money coming in, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to be cash millionaire, and that's a cash flow millionaire too as well. So uh, the irony here, let me look at this next article. Uh, during King's show, this next article is at the same time, Gen Zs and millennials are so broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have one article talking about we're wealthy, right? You got one, we're wealthier than ever, but we're also... We're also broke, and this is uh, six months of, of 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 the article. And and who are they ruining? They're ruining their parents' retirements. Um, nearly seven out of ten parents, sixty eight percent with children eighteen or older, have made at least one financial sacrifice to help out their kids. Uh, the most com- common financial hit: emergency savings. Mom, dad, I need. I'm short on rent. I need to pay my cell phone hmm. bill. I need a car bill. Blah 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 blah. I'm guilty of this. When I came out the Marine Corps, after eight years of being on my own, I came out with no military paycheck, single dad. I asked my I asked my 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 folks for 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 financial assistance. Hey, can I just stay in the basement? But once I got my insurance business up, I was out of there. And now my 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 contribution back to them for helping me that during that dark moment in my life is I retired them. Yep. I'll never have to worry about anything for the rest of their life. They stopped paying for meals back in the mid two thousands. So um, back to this article here it says millennials and Gen Z have both faced major economic events. Millennials faced the Great uh, Recession. The, t- the 10 years of, of the sideways economy. Gen Z, what do they experience? The pandemic. So thank goodness for parents that they can lean on. However, what's, what's, uh, who's going to suffer is the parents. So with that being said, Chris, let's say you have a daughter. She's 18 years old. Mommy, mommy, you've been taking care of this baby girl, your, your son, your entire life to 18 years old. They try and make it on, the, on their own. And they say they're not making it. You help them one time. They say, no, mom, can I move in? I just stay on the couch. They stay on the couch. Next thing you know, they're bringing in the friends. When, is, when does it stop? What, what do you think goes on through your head as a mom? Well, I think my first thought is, how did that start? Uh, growing up, I feel that I, I was very grateful. I grew up with a lot of cousins. And I feel like we were the last generation of kids playing out on the streets to yeah. like the sunset. Yeah. And literally bikes. Have b- everything, yeah. bikes, we played dodgeball, we played everything until my grandfather would come in and kick all the kids <laughs> out the street. Um, and then I look at the generation from, um, you know, uh, 
my brother's generation and and um How old? we're nine years apart. You okay. know, that's where video games came and sure. he's a great he has a great head on his shoulder. But just his generation is what I'm saying is yeah. that he was um we we all grew up around sports and I feel like sports definitely set us up for um where we are at in life. Yeah. I always give yeah. um credit to my my father for putting me in sports since a young age. So Who'd you play? Um I played uh volleyball, softball, basketball, but and then I cheered in high school. Uh, but I feel that being active and um in a fitness perspective is very, very important at a young age yeah. because it sets you up and teaches you how to work in environments, work in teams, learn how to lose. Um Except nowadays, you know, everyone gets a trophy, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I, 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 for me, that's where my thought comes first is like, because I do talk with a lot of parents at my business and, um, it's really how we're in a generation where because of a lot of our parents had to struggle and they had a scarcity mindset, they want to give to their kids to, you know, and, um, so that's just my perspective yeah, as sure. a as but if I were to be a mother and um my cousins are commenting on see it right now. <laughs> that's funny. Live um, chat Yeah. And uh have a move in. Oh, yeah, 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 I yeah. think that's where my thought goes first. I I don't yeah. know. You know, my dad always says, You'll know once you have kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Milton and I we were both out at 17 years old. So, you know, and my 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 sister, she was out at 17 years old. My wife, she was out at 17 years old, our seniors in high school. So and here we are today, sustainable, yeah. living our own life, and although very difficult, um, my 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 way to pay for the bills in the meantime was the military. My sister worked for Disney World. She was a dancer for, she was a chipmunk. She was a, a jasmine. Mm -hmm. um, we all know that uh, Milton was a male stripper. Uh, is from eighteen to twenty one years old. <laughs> that was a, just a joke, everybody. Make, make sure that's the. You know, I got through college. So don't worry, man. Pre Christ. Pre -Christ. Pre Christ. It was a joke. Uh, for, before I move on to the next topic, if you don't choose entrepreneurship as a way for you to be financially free, we've chosen entrepreneurship to be financially free. And if you just want to work, you want to work your your business, and your or your business doesn't give you exponential return. Um, here are four biggest questions. Toughest question you have to ask yourself if I'm going to save for retirement. Number one, what type of rate of return do I need to have on my savings, my investments, for the rest of my life adjusted for inflation? So therefore, I can retire one day. The second question is, how much money do I need to have at 67, 70 years old for the rest of my life so I have to unretire? The third question is, how long will you have to work before you can stop and have your money last for the rest of your life? Again, go look at Walmart. See how many people working at Walmart that are retired. See how many people working at CVS because they're retired. They've unretired because they weren't asking mm. themselves these tough questions. And the fourth question is, do you know how much you need to reduce? If, if you don't plan right, do you know how much you have to reduce your lifestyle because you didn't answer these first three questions to make your money last and make sure you don't run out? So here are the biggest questions you have to ask yourself for the rest of your life to make sure you fill in those blanks. And uh, if you don't know how to answer those questions, stay tuned here to the Millionaire Goals podcast and we'll continue to unpack that or send us a DM. You can attend one of our workshops. Okay. Um, last thing, speaking of kids. Um, Kids are dealing with an addiction, and it's affecting most teenagers out there. What's this addiction? It's your cell phones. Uh, recent article here in the New York Post. Kids, let's take a look at this article. Kids are assaulting teachers for taking away their phones. 
Here's why. They're, they're, uh, this uptick in violent outbursts is fueled by two causes. Teens who are literally addicted to their smartphones coupled with ineffective school policies about phone usage. Now, I went to school without phones, so I, I really don't know how to relate to this. I remember my kids were going through school. They had phones. I'm like, teachers allow you to have phones throughout the school? Because I'm texting my kids through the day, and they're texting me back. I'm like, how are you texting me back? Aren't you at school? Yeah. You have your cell, your cell phone on you? You do. Okay. I felt weird texting my kids mm-hmm. in middle school. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the, what's, what should the policy be here if kids are being more addicted to school? Did you, did you see that uh, one video where this, uh, a special needs student, 6'5", big kid, literally knocked out the special needs teacher because she took away his phone? Big boy. Big boy. Yeah. She knocked out. She, and it, by the way, the powers that be want to put this, put this as a racial thing. No, the guy was a special needs kid, special needs teacher. She took away his phone. Mm. Let's, let's go down to the core issue there. What's your thoughts on cell phones and, 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 and kids? I think uh, everything, no matter what the conversation is, man, I, I really do think that everything, 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 everything starts at home. Everything. The, the way, what, whatever principles you instill in your children, the way you raise your kids to believe on how to show respect when people are talking. I think that's one of the biggest issues, too. You know, a lot, a lot of these, especially when I was in high school, uh, shout out Proviso West High School. Uh, Morton West. Yeah, shout out. West Suburban Gold Conference. The whole side of the <laughs> You know, they went to rival high schools. There, there, well, there was ah. a lot. There was a lot of uh, disrespect among in, in the classrooms where just the kids weren't really being attentive to the classroom, and then they get kicked out of the class, and then here would here would come the parents coming out of work, mad yeah, out of their yeah. m- mad out of their minds that they would have to be brought into the school in order to deal with their children, and you would assume that the parents are you know more level headed, and they come in with more of an understanding and you know somewhat of uh, an open an open mind to be able to have a conversation about their kid. But in reality, they came in, they came into the school swinging, not physically, but with their words and the energy that they have. So you, the way you saw their parents coming into the schools and reacting to their kids and, you know, uh, speaking to the teachers and to the deans and to the counselors, you, you can see that a lot of this, a lot of this um, way of living and the way of, of, of treating teachers really, literally came from the way their parents taught them how to respect or not to respect these, uh, the teachers. Because for, for me, I grew up in a household where it was consistently respect, 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 respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when someone's talking, be attentive, make eye contact, be attentive. Even yeah. if you're bored, make yeah. eye contact. Yeah. And that's cool. That's the, the main thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I had my rebellious times and my rebellious seasons where, yeah, I would te- send a text here and there, but the majority of my time, the moment a, a teacher would scold me, I would understand the, the, the assignment. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. And the yeah. moment I would, I would get it taken away, automatically the principles that my, my dad taught me or just knowing that if I got in trouble, my dad would my ass. I think that also kind of stayed within me when yeah. I was in school versus mm-hmm. kids who aren't really having that kind of attention at home. They come into school screaming for attention with their actions. You're, you're, a, you're a gym owner. How many people are distracted instead of working out and doing a thing because they're still on a cell phone? <clears throat> oh, no. We do group classes, so they definitely, they can't, yeah. They're time. They can't really, they're yeah. They're active, yeah. Um, well... I mean, I got a, my first cell phone when I was in high school, but you had like the razor phones and, you know, you would wait till after 7 p.m. to send out texts. Ah, and, you know, because free. Free. <laughs> free. <laughs> we're dating ourselves. After so, 7 p.m., free, free phone calls. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very fortunate now as an adult that my parents worked hard to put me into a private school because, you know, there was, they were a lot stricter and, yeah. um, and, but I don't know how it is with parents nowadays. I, I did see a recent video of PBD. He said that, you know, what he does with his kids, they earn Correct. their iPads yeah. on the weekends. On the weekends, yep. iPad. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's a great principle. Yeah. It's uh, uh, my, my kids had cell phones. My, uh, 
Jordan, can we take a look at this picture on screen? This is what a school attempts to do to make sure that uh, the kids put their cell phones away. Mm. Okay? You know, it's kind of protocol, kind of etiquette. I, I, I will say this. Um, a lot of business deals are lost. You can, you can stop sharing, Jordan. A lot of business deals are lost because as adults, they don't have cell phone etiquette. Uh, uh, um, Jordan, I'll appreciate this. I was going through another podcast studio here in Dallas looking for a podcast studio. And uh, every three seconds, the guy kept looking at his Apple Watch. All right? Kept looking at his Apple Watch. Mm. I'm, he's, I'm, I'm trying to get him to sell me why I should do a podcast on his studio. Yeah. And he kept looking at his watch. Kept looking at his watch. I'm like, bro, are you going to give me the details of this or are you going to, you got somewhere else to go? He says, oh, no, no, somebody's just texting me. Bro, because in my mind, I think he's looking at his phone like, I got to go. Yeah. But mm. he's really looking at his text messages because of the Apple Watch. Why he's trying to sell you. Why he's trying to sell me. So to me, either way, you're distracted. Yeah. So I chose not to do my business in that pocket. Milton, we could have been doing this podcast somewhere else had this guy not been looking at his phone. 100%. <laughs> in our office, if your phone goes off, in our office, the way we teach entrepreneurs in our office, if your phone goes off, we laugh about it, but you got to do a chicken dance in front of everybody or sing your favorite song. Right? We, we poke fun at it, do something kind of embarrassing, make yeah. you stick out. To, make, to remind you, put your shit away. Because if you're at a business lunch and you're trying to close a deal and you keep going like this because you keep your phone, you're trying to close a deal, all right? You keep going like this. You keep looking at your phone. What is that? What signals does that tell somebody else that something else is more important than the business at hand? How do you teach that to your kids? Being a father. Sa same thing at at the at the dinner table. No phones. We're having conversation. We're having we're having dialogue. Uh, George wants to pull out his phone like this. No earpieces. Nothing. Get go, get those out of your ear. We're having we're having dialogue. We're having having talk. Yesterday, uh, my son's getting uh, interviewed by this new uh, private school. He just got accepted Good. because he was able to look at the teacher right in the eye. Shake his wow. hands, right, and talk like a human being, not like, like a drone. You know, doesn't know how to doesn't know how to communicate. And I'm like, I'm looking at that like, I'm, thank goodness he learned how to have dialogue with adults. What do you people. What do you say to the parents who, who give you pushback on that and say, man, let, let kids be kids, let kids enjoy their phones, let kid, kids enjoy kid activities, and not pressure them to grow up way too fast. What What is Priscilla talking about here earlier? I'm, I was I was growing up in an era uh, in, in an era that was more strict. You know, what does is, what is, what is King Solomon say about discipline? If there's two things I get from King Solomon in the Bible is the word discipline and the thirst for knowledge. Yeah. Wisdom and understanding. And if you, what does they say? Spare the rod, you spare the child. I mean, you don't got to beat the kid, but you got to have discipline. It's your job as parents. The reason why we have the problems we have today is because men decide to take a step back. Mm. And guess what the world we live in today? Versus men actually stepping in. What are we asking for now today? What's this woman asking for in this, in this conversation earlier in this video? I'm looking for a masculine man, even though I'm a liberal. What she's actually saying for us, I'm looking for men to step up. She doesn't even know what she's asking. Yeah. For men to step up mm. and fill the flipping role. Yeah. And so as parents, guess what you got to do? One thing that irks me the most, when men need to make a business decision to improve the quality of life for the family, what did they say? I need to talk about to my wife. To my wife. What are you talking about? It's her job to provide and protect. I need to don't catch asthma. You know what asthma is? Yes. I need a, I need to ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want. I, I asked Jordan last night to, pull, to uh, pull, pull up a video that I want you to react to because I think it goes hand in hand with exactly what you're talking about right now. Cool. Jordan, is there any we can bring up that uh, TD Jakes video? Cool. Uh oh. This trend. If another childless person tells me how to be a father, I'll scream. <laughs> I know this is gonna get me on TikTok for sure, but here I go. 
If another woman tells me how to be a father, I will open my mouth and flat out scream. You can no more tell me how to be a father than I can tell you how to birth a baby. I don't know nothing about birthing a baby. I don't know nothing about nursing a child. You have to know what you don't know. Shut up being the teacher and just be the wife. How do you know how to be a father? Not only are you not a father, most of you didn't even have a father, and yet you're an expert on how to be. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I mean, what what is what is the society I've been through, and I've been through it. I've been through a court system with uh, family court cases, going through child support court, etc. And the oddest part about this whole thing, I've always had residential custody. I've always taken my responsibilities as a dad as, as a father. For the fear of thinking that the court's going to try to tell me how to be a dad. That's another thing. You want to to talk about how to be a dad? Hey, courts. Hey, legal system. Don't try to tell men how to be dads. Oh, you have visitation. What are you talking about? I have visitation. You set the rights on when I have visitation. That's my son. That's my daughter. I I go see them whenever I I can make time my schedule. You don't tell me when I can have visitation. What's for the betterment of the child? How do you know what's betterment for the child? So if you let the girl, think about uh, parenting is like the DMV. A45, here's your instructions. No. Right here, this, this, this is my law, this is my law. This is how to be a father. And this is how to honor my wife and allow my wife to do the thing, how to be a mother, my parents be parents. By the way, what's, what's God's design? God's design is husband, wife, and grandma, grandpa. And grandma, grandpa. Look how much her life has changed because her grandparents are involved. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I don't know if you've picked it up or not, but yeah. I've picked up how much your life has changed. The woman that you are today, the entrepreneur that you are today, the impact you're making in your community today is because not only have mom and dad and having the courage to come here to America, but impact of your your grandparents. Yeah. Think about this. I didn't have my grandparents. I, I know their names. I, I didn't have a relationship with them. I wonder how much more my life would change from the wisdom of grandma and grandpa in my life. Think about how much your life would have been well more wealthier from the knowledge and wisdom that you would gain from your grandma and grandpa. And maybe in addition to some financial inheritance too as well. Because that all encompasses wealth. So yeah, man, TD Jakes. Uh, Awesome church right here. Have you been to uh, the Potter's House here in Dallas? Yeah. Crazy church, right? Great. It's an awesome church. but Time goes by so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, Pris, I appreciate you being on this uh, podcast. Any any final words you'd like to share to our audience who have been tuning in and watching you? Um, in, in the perspective as like putting my health and fitness hat is, uh, especially to my community, if you are someone who is looking to make changes in your life and and has people around you saying um, things to not go for it or don't do that program, don't do this, um, just go for it. You know, whatever it is that you want to do, be that change in your family, be that one to take the first step. And the journey to a thousand miles starts with one step. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, by the way, you, you're mentioning, you're complimenting me on my work together with Milton over the last three years. And and, and the, the irony is people want get rich quick or get fit overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, the next, you know, by the way, it's compared to your spiritual life, it's compared to your financial life. In my opinion, I might be wrong about this, but in my personal opinion, I think getting changes in your physical life is a lot faster than you would see them in your spiritual or your financial life. Amen. Because in 30 days, you can see results. You feel that better, your energy, you you can drop, it may not be the body you want yet, but in 30 days, you feel a little little looser, you're you're eating better foods, your pants may feel a little lighter. You went through a what, eight day, how long were you fasting? Seven days. It was seven day fast. No workout fast, and you just man, my, my clothes are a lot looser. Yeah. I need to get back in the gym and eat, eat better. 
So just even with the physical uh, attack, because how you do one thing how you do, how you do, do everything. everything. There you go. There you go. Milton, any final thoughts, brother, before we let people go? Immediate. Change starts with you, but change is not, it's not change starts with you, but it doesn't start until you do. You need to make that decision amongst yourself. And if you're a man watching this, you need to make that you need to you need to make that initiative decision to bring change for your family and for future generations. So that way you are the example for your wife, future wife, and especially for the kids who are looking upon you to lead the way for the for the for them and for everyone else around you. For sure, man. That's it, man. I'm very simple. If you want your external to change, you got to change your internal. Internal, internal first. So, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel here, Millionaire Goals Podcast. Make sure you hit like. Please put your comments below in the comment section. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? How did you feel about our special guest here, Chris, Miss Estrada, in the studio? Flew in all the way from LA. Appreciate your time and attention. Thank you for spending having some time me. with us. For sure. Make sure you come back again. Okay. I will. That being said, on behalf of Milton Alvarez from Dallas, Texas, I'm your mighty smart guy. And until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to live smart, and be mighty smart today. See you next Wednesday.